Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 13 of the DCAU Review. I'm your host, Cal, alongside me as always, joining me my co-host, brother, and the guy that runs our Twitter account, my good friend Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 13 of the DCAU Review. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We're kind of continuing with, we're not doing, uh, we're continuing with Superman, but we're not doing them in exact order like we had been with Batman, where picking some themes. Obviously, our last episode was uh, sort of a Lex Luthor kryptonite theme. This week, we've got a, a bit more of a specific theme as we're talking the beginnings of Apocalypse, the beginnings of the fourth world Jack Kirby characters being introduced into Superman. Absolutely. We're doing, uh, we're calling this episode officially Road to Apocalypse, Woo! because why not? Um, but we're going to kick it uh, kick it off here, Liam. We're going to start with the first episode. we got a double feature today. First episode we're going to talk about is Tools of the Trade, uh, which is technically in the first season of Superman, the animated series. Uh, this does an interesting job of introducing, as you said, some of these fourth world characters. Um, in this episode specifically, um, we are introduced to this mysterious character, Kanto, who arrives on the scene to help out uh, gangster Bruno Mannheim, who is uh, the leader of a sort of a, an organization, a, a crime organization in Metropolis called Intergang. Uh, Intergang plays a kind of major role throughout uh, Superman the Animated Series, and maybe later on, well, I think there's some episodes of Metallo and Parasite and all that that, that sort of uh, are centered around Intergang itself. But yeah. Bruno Mannheim is the guy who is the... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's sort of like the he's the head honcho. Yes, he's the, he's, he's the godfather of Intergang. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, so he's the closest thing. To like a we don't it's not we don't have quite as many gangster villains as we have certainly in the early going of Batman. But uh, yeah, he's sort of the the Rupert Thorne type. Uh, he's uh, the leader of the organized. Yes. the biggest organized crime ring in Metropolis. Exactly. They're doing a lot of heists, a lot of stuff, and the, this episode starts out with them. Uh, ha- bringing a tank <laughs> to the Metropolis Gold Exchange, and uh, I mean, at this point, I guess technically this is several episodes into. I think on the DVD, it's marked as like the twelfth episode or eleventh episode or so of season one. So that plenty of time that Superman's been around here, plenty of time for them to see the things that he can do. But I guess they thought maybe he was sleeping that day. I don't, I don't know. Weird decision to go in the middle of the day and try and break into a gold exchange. But uh, they're quickly foiled by Superman, who takes apart his tank. And, and uh, Mannheim, obviously frustrated, goes into his giant warehouse of weapons and starts <laughs> throwing boxes of grenades around, saying that they're useless. And this mysterious character, Kanto, shows up, uh, literally out of thin air, and uh, starts offering him some... Uh, a deal, I guess, per se, uh, a mysterious benefactor that's looking to uh, give Mr. Mannheim some tools in order to be successful and perhaps not only in his uh, taking over Metropolis, but it, it 
getting rid of or uh, sort of uh, starting to see what the limits of Superman's powers are. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that it works for a Superman plot because generally if a villain in Gotham City has a tank, he's at least, he's going to give Batman fits, right? Like Batman doesn't have, you know, tank missiles would hurt Batman. Right. So the idea that starting it out with, and we're kind of jumping right into our plot, our first category that we grade on here. Um, uh, you, You start out the episode by showing they've got lots of money. They have any type of weapon they can imagine from, you know, serious military hardware, and Superman takes it apart in two minutes. Yeah. So, setting up that they're they're desperate to keep this criminal enterprise alive, knowing that they can't, they can't stop him with what they've got, which makes them desperate enough to, when a guy just shows up uh, offering them these crazy new, uh, these new weapons, they're, they're very willing to just take them and, and really take his, take him at his word, make, make a deal with the devil, so to speak, and, uh, and, and, uh, real, they're, they're, des- I, I thought that was a good point of it, was they, they're a bit desperate here, they, they know what they've got is not gonna stop him. And it's interesting that you know that gives a little 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 depth to Mannheim as a character. You know, you can tell he's been doing this for a while. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he involved in one of the Toy Man episodes? I think he's involved. He's yeah. involved somehow in the creation of Toy Man. We didn't review that episode yet, no. but I believe he was somehow involved in the destruction. Yeah, or... this definitely is not uh, the official first uh, Mannheim episode. But again, so it gives him a little bit of depth. You see that he's been at this for a while. He's getting frustrated, clearly not being able to do what he was doing before Superman arrived on the scene. Um, and he's not dumb either because the first question he asks after Kanto offers these unique weapons to him that are supposed to help him out are, okay, what's the catch? And Kanto makes it very clear that, well, there's no catch right now, but we'll let you know, <laughs> which is interesting because we, we talked about before we went on the air the you know the dynamic of this character. Kanto is very much portrayed as a uh, satanic, devil-like character in that... Yeah. Uh, in in the classic sense, in that you're making a deal with the devil at this point, he's going to give you what you want, but there's going to be a, a time where you're going to pay later on. Yeah, and I there's a there's a nice, very subtle moment that you pointed out to me, where uh, ter, uh, Mannheim is doing a very grand uh, monologue with these these new weapons, and he's not he's not just going to take over the city; he can take over the entire world and. <laughs> And they flash to Kanto for just like two seconds, and he just has this smirk on his he face. He does like the Jim Halpert, like looking yes. at the camera, like, yeah, yeah, you're going to take over the world, all right. <laughs> so that, so I thought that was, again, very clever. Yes, there's always, there's always the catch when, you, when, you, when, the, when the characters in literature make, make a deal with a, a demon or a, or a devil, for, for, especially when it comes to, you know, you make that deal for, for, in exchange for power. Right. But there's always someone more powerful coming to... Uh, you know, to take your spot. And there'll be some comeuppance regardless. So, of course, you know, throughout this this thing, you know, the weapons begin to work against Superman. There's also a, a subplot of uh, the introduction of two new characters into this, uh, into the Superman animated series, two important supporting characters, uh, that being uh, Dan Turpin. At, what's his danger? What's his uh, nickname? Uh, dangerous Dan? It's not Dangerous Dan Turpin. I forget. Anyway, we'll look that up later. <laughs> anyway, the introduction of Dan Turpin and uh, Maggie Sawyer, both from the Metropolis uh, Special Crimes Unit, I think they call them, the SEU. Mm-hmm. 
so these two characters play a big role not only in the specific apocalypse storyline coming later on, um, as we'll see in a, in a couple weeks, uh, but these are supporting characters that really play a big role in Superman and, and giving death to him, much like the police do in in Super in uh, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, these people are going to be his allies. Um, it's interesting to me. I thought with the Turpin character, is they sort of he almost comes off in this episode as a, as like a parody of Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's he's the grizzled veteran, and he doesn't take nonsense. He doesn't like this Superman character coming in, and you know the the media is giving him rib, you know, ribbing him about how Superman is is you know saving their bacon, and they they can't even stop a a jaywalker say, without yeah, Superman's yeah, the, help. The character of Angela Chen, the news reporter, is such a GDB <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> To Dan Turpin and Maggie She's a no Sawyer. Good She's a no good B in this yeah, episode. And she really just is. Constantly just ribbing them, asking, you know, oh, you've got all this, the police force gets all this funding, and then you just can't, you can't even, she says, like, you can't stop a jaywalker without Superman's help. Right. And yeah. so you, you really push Turpin's butt, you really push Turpin's buttons there, and so he ends up kind of striking out on his own. He, He's, well, after Maggie Sawyer decides that she's going to bring in Superman right. officially, whatever that means, does, does he get a ba- does he get a badge? Deputized, officially deputized like Superman. The, yeah, like Adam West, like Adam West and uh, Burt Ward, where oh, their Batman and Robin were always officially deputized. Right, remember lawmen? Law, law they weren't vigilantes in that show. No. Um, yeah, I don't know how that works, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they they bring Superman in officially, which sort of sets Turpin off to go. You know, I, you know, they've sort of implied he's been working a Mannheim case for a long time, yeah. and he really wants that collar for himself, and doesn't, and especially after people are are making fun of him and sort of devaluing his own work, right? He sort of strikes out on his own to try to try to get Superman. So I guess we can finally give our plot scores yeah. here. Yeah, where, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, I mean, like, it's pretty average. Like you said, it's some guys get some new weapons to go fight Superman. And like you said, we have the subplot of Turpin kind of looking to find his own value, and he does in the end. Superman's being, uh, you know, pretty beaten up by one of the one of the weapons, and and he sort of uh, makes Turpin makes the save and and fights off Mannheim for a moment, allowing Superman to recover. And Superman gives him an old attaboy in front of that GDB. Yes. <laughs> so he put he puts Angela Chen in her place at the end of the episode, and. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went 5 out of 10. It's pretty basic. And obviously the very end, we get our first look at Dark Side, which we'll get into in visuals and voice acting, certainly, sure. but uh, in more specifics. But you get your first taste of that uh, apocalyptic world. You see Kanto transform into his apocalypse outfit out of his business suit. And and you have the final reveal of, uh, of Dark Side for the first time. So it's, it's a nice little bit of, you know, you establish what... You know what weapons they were willing to just throw away on these random Earth thugs in order and, to sort of get intelligence mm-hmm. and figure out what Superman's limits are. Right, and you think if this is just stuff they were given to like people they thought of as ants, imagine right. the kind of power they must have for their actual armies. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree. I I gave it. It's it's a basic plot. I I'm with you. I think that um, you know it's it's fine. It's a good introduction to this. Uh, episode basic you know you have your basic villains nothing really stands out villain wise until the very end when you you kind of get a, a a tease that we'll talk about like you said in a second but i gave it a six out of ten for plot as well you gave five i gave it a six 
All right, moving on. Uh, music. This will be a short category <laughs> because, uh, as we were discussing before we started started hit the record button, um, music is kind of MIA in this episode, from what we noticed. Yeah, it's very dialogue heavy, and uh, that's not necessarily to its detriment. But there really isn't a single moment, either than maybe the last uh, the last little bit, as we mentioned, when Superman gives Dan his commendation and flies away, and there's. there's- a weird patriotic <laughs> bizarrely yes but not just like generic patriot music right like they didn't it's not like god bless america but it like it's trying to invoke that type of emotion because uh, you're, you're, uh you know all the reporters and and uh, sawyer and and turpin are watching superman flies away and, and turpin salutes him <laughs> so, it's so goofy oh uh, that again very much feels like something that you could have seen on like the george reeves 50s oh, superman yeah show or certainly on, on an adam west batman show but uh yeah so but that other than that one little musical patriotic musical cue there there's really nothing in this episode that i even really remember other than hearing the you know the classic superman theme a couple of times right. so yeah i went two out of ten for music here there's just really nothing to it yeah i, I hear you I, I went four out of ten i didn't think there was anything that was detrimental to it i feel like if uh you know, I feel like I owe it a, f- a five if there's nothing, if like if it's just middle of the road. Um, you know, there wasn't any. I feel like that it could have been used uh, in certain spots, in certain areas, maybe to enhance things. The the last scene uh, where they're in the warehouse, uh, where Turpin's tied up and and he kind of saves Superman's butt. There is a scene. Uh, there is a musical cue that happens when there's a scene where you just see Superman after he used his heat vision and they flash to him and he's in the shadows and his eyes are. Are red, and we'll get in that in visuals in a second. But it's uh, there was a, a slight musical cue there. It's like it felt like it could have been more powerful because I can't even tell you what it was. Mm-hmm. But there should have been something that was like, ah, oh, yeah, this is awesome. It's like you know, whenever there's a Batman scene, mm-hmm. and that's the focus on it, and it's like, all right, here comes the here comes the hot tag, like mm-hmm. here, to borrow yeah. a wrestling term. You know, yes, here sir. comes here comes the excitement. Here comes all right, Batman's on his comeback mm-hmm. or Superman's on his comeback at this point. And it's like, ah. Eh, Really wasn't punctuated that that effectively, so uh, wasn't offensive, but I, nothing stood out, so I gave it four out of ten as well. All right, uh, let's move on to animation and visuals, Liam. Um, animation and visuals, you know, we we talked about it last week. Switching over to this, uh, since the animation style is so different, uh, it's really hard to talk about consistencies, and because it's more streamlined. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple things in here that uh, we pointed out as we were watching it. There's a scene where Turpin and Sawyer are driving in between. They're driving from some place to to some other place. I forget. And it's a it's a straight on scene. And it looked like to, to me like it reminded me of something done in MS Paint. I was just like, <laughs> this is bizarre. This doesn't look right. And I don't know if there were things. There's a scene a couple minutes later where they it's an up close shot of Superman's face. And it's the first time in the episode we see. They give Superman's eyes like the they sh- like they show the whites of his eyes, which right. the character design itself, for whatever reason, they chose not to give him white eyes, mm-hmm. and it's very it was it was very like jarring. All of a sudden, it's like who's that? Oh, that's Superman. Why yeah. why can all of a sudden can I see the whites of his eyes? Like that's bizarre. <laughs> um, so just just a few inconsistencies. Um, I feel like uh, you know I, th- I think that. Um, the scene with the the train 
the SkyTrain, another SkyTrain accident, by the way. Yes. I might have to put switch from hashtag cape movement to hashtag train movement. Uh, <laughs> SkyTrain sky tra- accidents, hashtag train accidents. Uh, uh, I don't know. A lot something of, here. We'll work it. Pl- we'll get back to you. A lot of plot device here. The major plot device is the train, the, the Metropolis SkyTrain. But uh, <laughs> it was cool to see them use some of those weapons in, in that way, picking up the train and and that's uh, uh, you can really tell in the weapon designs, and certainly when you know we get later into some of the apocalypse uh like apocalypse now and you can tell i mean it's not a secret i think if you if you're listening to this podcast you know how much bruce tim and and all those guys dan reba all those guys idolized jack kirby and and really wanted to sort of be faithful to his style heck they even made dan turpin his character design is jack kirby yes absolutely on purpose a little little tidbit trivia there yes absolutely so uh, all the designs are cool. There's you know these weird energy gloves that create giant hands that Superman fights, and then at one point he, when he's make, again making his comeback, he breaks the energy fingers, which causes the guy's fingers to that break. That was brutal. Which we is, we yeah. remarked that that was surprising that they would show that this guy's hands are mangled. Mm-hmm. That's the thing you expect. Like oh, they'll show the energy fingers cracking and then just cut away, but no, they show the guy's actual fingers all just mangled. Ma- yeah, mangled. That to, guy's not holding to shreds. Yeah, that again. guy's. He's going to be, be able to hold the sport. Yep. Can't can't do anything. But I liked that. I liked so I liked a lot of the weapons. I liked uh, I liked the design of of Mannheim. I thought that's yeah. He looks very Clark Gable, like mm-hmm. you know, nineteen forties movie star actor mm-hmm. gangster type. Yeah, and uh, and again we get uh, a little bit of apocalypse, not as much as we will uh, going forward when we get to our second episode, but. So yeah, overall I give visuals a seven out of ten. I thought it was it was pretty strong. I thought that was the strength of the episode. We get a little bit more Superman fighting at night, which we don't really get to see. Yeah, we did remark um, that as well. Uh, when he goes to the the compound at the end to save Turpin and uh, uh, is is accosted by a thug that happens to look a lot like uh, Professor Hamilton. <laughs> um, we did remark that that was a very odd choice. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe Star Labs doesn't pay well, and I, he has to moonlight. You know. Right. Wouldn't surprise me. That's where he gets his funding from, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I gave animation visuals 6 out of 10. I think um, I remarked it, it would have been cool to see some more of Apocalypse in this episode. I know we'll see more of it later on. And uh, certainly even in uh, further DCAU episodes, whether it's in Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. But, um, you know, exploring Apocalypse, you get a couple shots of the inside of Darkseid's compound at the very, very end. And uh, Manheim when he's following um, when he's following Kanto. There's a great line, by the way, in that that we'll, we'll talk about in a second with voice acting. But uh, j- that final scene in and of itself uh, reminds me of what it it could be a post credit scene tease yeah. at this point. Like you have the very end of it. He he disappears into the boom tube. And then, you know, Turpin says, oh, he's out of our jurisdiction now. And then they cut to Apocalypse, and he's there. And you don't get to see Darkseid till the very, very end. And he's just so, like, powerful and looming. And mm. you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And he just alludes to how, you know, that there's more to come. And, and it's it's great. It's Absolutely. It, that, that in of itself kind of gave it a little bump for me. But uh, nothing outstanding in this episode, I didn't think. There, no crazy awesome visuals so six out of ten was my score for that uh so uh speaking of voice acting let's uh let's go to 
to uh, well, actually, I'll, since I just alluded to that, I might as well say I, I gave it a plus, uh, an extra bonus point Ooh. for that for that uh, closing scene, just because it's such a great tease. It leaves you wanting, like. I can imagine if I was watching these episodes in order, you, we we realize as we're going to talk about in the next episode that storyline isn't paid off till middle of the next season almost. Yeah, you know, you get almost sixteen, seventeen episodes to the next episode, which is Father's Day, and then that episode isn't paid off until another fifteen or sixteen episodes, probably mm-hmm. later, you know, thirteen episodes later. Uh, so you have you know a, a great length of time in between this a good slow build I, I guess if you were uh, to say use wrestling terms <laughs> yeah <laughs> slow, the slow build slow slow burn yeah, yeah. absolutely um, that, yeah that's they they do a pretty good job there and as you mentioned I think the perfect analogy is what you said it's very much feels like a, a post credit scene that you would see in in any num- any number of superhero movies that are that are around these days absolutely all right so let's move to voice acting now. Our final category of the day, uh, voice acting. I thought it was fine, uh, and uh, we'll get to some of the characters and the names and stuff like that. I, I love it. Liam's always our guy that does the research on all the voice actors and stuff. Always has those ready. But Canto, uh, who's Canto played by? Canto's uh, played by Michael York. Uh, she's a character actor's done done some other voice acting work, and uh, again, very solid. Again, we talked about how he's very much a sort of a Satan or demon archetype in the yeah. way that he appears. You know, a, a gentleman businessman who's offering power to these desperate people. Um, he's slim, but he has a hint of slime to mm-hmm. him. You can tell he's not he's not being upfront about what everything and and uh, has ulterior motives. The character design in and of itself is actually pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned his. You know, he's just kind of kind of looks sleazy, but has a business suit, so he kind of has that that co- uh, conflicting feeling about him but uh his voice i thought was great for mm-hmm. what he was asked Mannheim is fine um he plays that villain villain uh role well um and uh we get a very tiny bit of uh michael ironside as dark side at the yes, end sir. uh who is just he's he's the perfect voice for that character yeah it's it's one of those things dark side hasn't made a ton of appearances in other media he was in some of the old super friends cartoons where he had a weird obsession with wanting to marry wonder woman <laughs> i don't know i don't know that's maybe we'll have to do a spin-off episode have, yeah, of I, one of those one time i forget which version i think that was in what they had so many different versions Superpo- dc superpowers yeah that might have been that a... one or that might have been like the galaxy guardians version or whatever oh it was called gosh. but there's a lot of super different super friends, but yeah, whatever the season was that Darkseid was the main villain, he just was always trying to marry Wonder Woman. I don't know, man. He just ha- just loves that, loves her. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, who doesn't? Uh, sure. <laughs> so but, yeah, but he's now. but Michael Ironside, yeah, yes. tremendous. We did notice that he has a weird vocal effect. It seems, which I remember at some point. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's. Uh, later on when when they do the invasion episode but they stop using the effect and it was it's a little jarring because it's like is that the same voice did they change his voice up and it's i think some of it is supposed to invoke when they're on apocalypse kind of an echoey feeling Mm -hmm. and it's very empty and cold but it does it does seem like they deepen his voice maybe a little bit which is weird because he has a very deep Mm -hmm. voice as it is yeah anyone that's watched michael ironside in anything is uh he's got he's got a pretty commanding uh deep voice anyway but yeah there's 
definitely some sort of artificial effect put on it. But uh, so my one complaint, my one complaint for voices in this episode is Dan Dan Turpin and Maggie Sawyer. Okay, um, I we talked about before we started recording, but uh, Maggie Sawyer reminds me a little bit of a character from BoJack Horseman <laughs> in that uh, Princess Carolyn and the way that she delivers lines. And Princess Carolyn, don't get me wrong, and BoJack is great. Absolutely, she's hilarious. Her the way that she, is it Amy Sedaris that mm-hmm. does her voice is the way she delivers every line is almost exactly the same but that makes it hilarious Mm -hmm. um i don't want to hear amy sedaris type (laughs) delivery from my person that's supposed to be this rough tough um you know police chief yeah she's supposed to be this tough grizzled also happens to be a lesbian police chief which is fine but she comes across as just kind of i don't know there's a line where they talk about if i had a dollar for every time that (laughs) turpin handed in his badge i would be have more money than rex lizard and part of it is that line is really bad yeah but the way in which she delivers it isn't great either and and i guess we'll get to see as as we go forward this is uh certainly not our, our last episode focusing on these characters or focusing on episodes that have these characters in it uh, you know, both are, are around and say something like World's Finest, which we'll be getting to eventually. And, sure. And, uh, I mean, obviously these guys are, are all throughout the series, so it could be a case of, uh, of yes, a little bit over-the-top delivery combined with not the strongest dialogue in the world. So we'll be it'll be interesting to see as we go forward if if she's if they're able to uh, redeem themselves. It's uh, Joseph Bologna as as Turpin and Joey jo- Bologna. Joey Bologna, which I don't know if that's offensive or not. But, um, <laughs> and uh, Joanna Cassidy plays Maggie Sawyer. But uh, so it'll be interesting. I think that that's something we're going to have to file under the uh, the we'll see uh, for future episodes is uh, whether or not there, if it was specifically the plot, or if maybe sort of like Perry White we mentioned with George Dunn's yeah. performance, it's it's just sort of a one note performance because that's what they wanted. Um, right. Yeah, it's hard. So hard we'll, to see. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, for this episode, I gave voice acting a six out of ten. I gave it a five. Yeah, so we're all pretty much on the same page as usual. There. As usual, go figure. Uh, like I said, we we've talked about it uh, off the air. There are maybe a couple episodes coming up that we will actually have hardcore disagreements about. Absolutely. But uh, for for now, yes, we uh, we we pretty much agree there. It's uh, nothing really inoffensive, but nothing stand nothing stands out as as great. So my final score is twenty two out of forty for this episode, and that includes my bonus point for the uh, post credit scene and uh, yours is 20 out of 40 yes sir uh so you know these are fine these are our, this is definitely our lowest score so far for a superman episode um but you know maybe these episodes are coming back to earth i think we know what's coming ahead with the apocalypse episodes and those episodes are great and we're also looking at some other episodes that we'll be reviewing in the next couple weeks uh, that i'm really excited about uh, yeah. at doing uh, some of the classic Superman episodes that I really haven't seen in, in several years. But uh, so let's pivot. We'll go to our next episode now, Liam. Our sec- second episode in this Road to Apocalypse episode is Father's Day, which is we, as I mentioned, uh, was not until the following season, technically, yeah. that they introduced this episode. So you have a long layoff of these uh, fourth world characters, the new gods, the uh, guys from Apocalypse. Um, by the way, neglected to mention that line about oh, it, yes. it where in the final scene where Mannheim gets to Apocalypse from Tools of the Trade and uh, he asks him, he says, where in God's name are we? Where in God's name are we? That depends. Which God are you talking about? 
Listen, buddy, I'm through with these games. I want some answers. You're going to tell me who you work for? Welcome to Apocalypse, Mr. Manheim. Who are you? Your new lord and master. You may call me Darkseid. Ah, oh, so good. Anyway, sorry. Back to Father's Day. Uh, so Father's Day, uh, we'll jump right into plot. Um, I gave plot 5 out of 10 just because it's it's a pretty generic Superman story. Not as generic as Superman fights giant robot or Superman fights giant gorilla or Superman... <laughs> giant rock monster. Superman fights giant rock monster or any of those yes. stories that are you know other episodes um but it is kind of a generic episode that takes place uh during the daytime again all of metropolis's crimes take place during <laughs> the daytime um but it's pretty much a superman punches this new character calabac who we learn is superman or is uh dark son who is attempting to prove uh, after being manipulated by another person that lives on Apocalypse, this uh, kind of creepy hooded wearing guy, Desaad, mm-hmm. into proving his worthiness, he feels unworthy or that he is unaccepted, which he is unaccepted. As, yes. <laughs> very clearly <laughs> unaccepted. Makes it very clear. He, He's they, son by birth only. Right. He mentions that him being his son is a quote-unquote technicality of, of birth or right. something like that yeah. like oh as as far as destiny and i are concerned i have no son is what he said which yeah. which obviously is again a little you can hint as you go forward into apocalypse now and you and you learn about you know the the stuff with high father and orion and and some yep. of that you know the trading of children to end the war and all that what? very weird deep stuff True, that man. kirby kirby was just doing whatever he wanted <laughs> Probably, probably. I haven't done a whole lot of research about Jack Kirby's life, but there's got to be something in his life where he felt like maybe that was when he left Marvel for DC or something like that. <laughs> yeah. and he decided it was going to be trading of sons or something. I don't know. That's just that's weird. Yeah, super weird. Anyway, but uh, you know, so you have you have Calabac and his motivation is he's trying to prove after he's been manipulated by. Uh, this episode satanic character decide, oh, did <laughs> if you do this, you'll prove your worth to Darkseid and he'll love you. And it's worth mentioning that Desaad's motivation for sending Calabac is to make up for the fact that at the start of the episode, Desaad sends like what is essentially looks like a mini Death Star yeah. to Earth to fight Superman, and Superman breaks it in like two minutes well and he 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 breaks it and then dark side's like abort mission like right. immediately like this isn't working and you know we don't want him finding out anything else about us even though dark side shows up on earth at the ep- end of yes. the episode and it, it, i mean it is sort of mentioned that because uh, Desaad tries to frame it as oh this was just a fact-finding mission and dark side says no that was supposed to be your ultimate superman destroying weapon and he just took it apart in two minutes right so Desaad trying to get the heat off of himself, and, uh, you know, in, in the sense that if Calabac succeeds, he'll take credit for it. Right. And if Calabac fails, as he does, he, he a- is able to immediately, and he does in the episode when Darkseid confronts Desaad about it, immediately says, well, I was just coming to tell you he disobeyed you. I don't I don't know why you would do that. He but- throws him firmly under yes. the apocalypse bus, you know? <laughs> and there's not really a comeuppance for Desaad here. No. Um, no, he's like. I mean, so, you get you get that Darkseid really doesn't believe him, right? But ultimately, he 
has just such a ter- disdain for for Calabac that yes. he he just lets. He'd it rather slide. take it out on on the guy he really hates than his than the guy he already knows is a, is kind of a snake and a worm. Right, exactly. So we have this weird dynamic. Calabac comes to Earth and he's going to kill Superman, and it's really a lot of punching. It's like punching <laughs> for what seems like ninety five percent of the episode. Yeah, they change venues a little bit. Yes. It goes from a Greek restaurant to the subway, back to the surface, back to the Greek restaurant. There's a there's a Chi- ends up in a china shop at one point. Yeah, he screams and breaks all the glass, and and then they end up in a park. Yes, and then it ends in a nice, beautiful park. <laughs> a beautiful sunny day. <laughs> yes, that is a yes. So yeah, for plot, I went four out of ten. Not uh, not the strongest plot, as you mentioned. It's a lot of uh, Superman punching the bad guy. Um, the underlying plot is that his parents have come to visit for Father's Day, and they're very stupid. They're, they're so, so dumb. Stupid. We uh, now know where Superman <laughs> later on in the episode of Justice League Unlimited, where this or the Justice League, where the Christmas episode where Superman believes that Santa <laughs> exists. We see now why because Pa Kent is one <sighs> big dummy. He decides he's good. Calabac shows up and has destroyed half the restaurant. He goes, somebody needs to show that guy a lesson. <laughs> like, so he runs back into the restaurant as if he himself were Superman. And immediately has rubble just fall on him. Serves him right. And then later, Ma Kent exclaims, Clark, be careful! Next to Lois. Lois, who also is apparently pretty dumb because she doesn't immediately put together why. Like, <laughs> right. Two and two. Right. Um, and then Pa Kent, at the, at the end, Lois says, no matter how many times I see that, I'll never grow tired of it. And Pa Kent, who apparently has never been to Metropolis before, goes, me either! <laughs> so yes, so the overall stupidity of the Kents, and as you said, the sort of baseline basicness of the plot, yeah, I went 4 out of 10. Nothing, it's not super offensive, it's not, it all, I guess, sort of makes sense to an extent, and Pa Kent's <laughs> motivation notwithstanding, but, uh, yeah, the, and the, again, the, the meat of it is, is again, the little, the appetizer you get for uh, when Darkseid, when Superman is finally confronts Darkseid at the end of the episode and they finally have a conversation and... Well, it's not much of a conversation because Darkseid says, like, one thing which right. is super badass, right. by we'll, the way. We'll get to that in voice acting. Super badass. But, uh, but, yeah. yeah. So, that, that, so that, that's about it for plot. It's pretty, like I said, pretty basic, not super offensive, and uh, Mom, Pa, Kent so don't dumb. understand how computers work and are also very dumb. So and, dumb. How they haven't accidentally... The idea that these people kept an alien baby, a secret, and a spaceship, a secret for 23 years, or however old Superman is when he finally leaves Metropolis. Like, yeah, I, I find that preposterous at this point. A little absurd. Uh, I gave it 5 out of 10, by the way. Of course, we're right along the same same lines. Uh, so let's move on to music. Uh, music, I, I feel like you liked music a little bit more in this episode. Uh, it's different. There are some some beats, uh, a different beat to it than than normal, uh, especially in the opening scene with the, mm-hmm. the mini Death Star and Lois going for a jog through the park. Uh, it's it does have a different feel. It wasn't a straight up Superman like mm-hmm. soundtrack feel, but I don't personally I don't necessarily think that it worked. Like it okay. it was different. It was different, and it was, it added something. that was noticeable, and I don't think it was bad. But I don't think I just didn't get that it fit. Like we we have episodes, you know, it's hard hard when you're comparing this to Batman the animated series. But you have episodes 
that we've done, you know, the last laugh, for example, where you you that that music fits like mm-hmm. that works in that episode. We talked about how great that episode is because of that music alone, and this is different. But one thing I would say is also different is that not every Superman villain has like that really iconic theme. Yep. Like when the Joker comes on screen, you know that yep. theme. When Two Face comes on screen, like uh, Poison Ivy, they all have a certain theme that yep. plays when they when they appear for the first time in the episode. And there really isn't that. There was for Metallo. We mentioned that and in Luther, our last episode. Luther has and a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So for certain guys, there are for the more I guess more regularly occurring. And but you would think that Dark Side would get a theme. Yeah, but and, but yeah, it's not not anything memorable if no. if it is supposed to be specific for for Dark Side. So um, again, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see that going forward when we get to Apocalypse Now. But yeah, that was I thought that was that was noticeable. Like I said, I I kind of liked the difference in music. It's mm-hmm. a little more of a rock soundtrack mm-hmm. than. You would traditionally hear in Superman. We got, we obviously got a lot more of that when we got into Batman Beyond and and Justice League Unlimited. You started hearing a lot of electric guitars and stuff. But oh, yeah. for for this point in there in the DCAU, there was not a lot of uh, rock and roll. Certainly, there's the Lobo episode, which we'll get to down the line. Yeah. That has a, it's almost exclusively electric guitar music. I'm pretty sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I liked it being a little different. I went six out of ten. Not a great difference, but I guess my. I'm leaning more towards the difference being positive than negative for me. Gotcha. Uh, I I went with a four out of ten just for um, just for those reasons. Like I, it was different, but I don't think it worked. It worked the way that I that it could have or should have. Um, so yeah, that's all we need to say about that. Let's move on to animation and visuals. Um, as I said already, I think that this could have been. I don't know. I because it's so much hand to hand combat heavy. Yeah, and uh, there's a little bit of a time spent on Apocalypse, but it's really just one room with a giant TV screen. <laughs> Although they do show a little bit of like the pits where the slaves work to make the fires of Apocalypse burn. I guess yes. when Mannheim gets. Sh- Gets thrown down there. But. I mean, I that might just me be showing my in- ignorance as a or a, a gap of knowledge in my comic fandom. Yeah. But it's like, has there ever really been explained why they need those giant ass fire nope. pits all over all over Apocalypse? Nope. Like, what, are they, what is their What is their number one export? And like, they also Apocalypse. want like, and he also that's one of the things he wants to make Earth. He wants to make fire pits on Earth. So yeah, like, why? Is there is that just like a, an aesthetic that he likes? <laughs> like he's he's just like he likes he he's like a big fire his, guy. Yeah. That's his uh, interior design or right. exterior design, perhaps. Yes, uh, showing through. That's just what he likes. It's he just... prefers big fire pits all right. over the place that are visible from space. I would like to know what is Apocalypse number one export? What do they export? What are they creating down there? Slavery and <laughs> fire. <laughs> I, perhaps made an apocalypse. Fire, fire from apocalypse. That's how you know real it's good. Slaves. That's how you know it's good. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's going to be All great. right. Yeah, I went 5 out of 10 for visuals as we try to dig ourselves out of this weird hole. Yes, very and, strange uh, hole. I uh, went for I went 4 out of 10. I think it's uh I think it's fine. Uh but I I just expected more and I, I don't think like it's very goofy that he's defeated by and I, I guess it could go back to plot, but the fact that initially Calbeck is defeated by accidentally stepping on the third rail of a subway train. Yeah. Like, Superman didn't do anything other than that. And then there's the weird, like you said, he's in a china shop and screaming. What, why? Like, yeah, he's having a flashback to Darkseid telling him he's a disappointment or something. And 
We're supposed uh, to emotionally like it's yeah. weird. I feel like we're supposed to almost emotionally connect with Calabac as a as a sad character in this. A little bit like that he all he all he would ever want is, is approval. For, right. This for dad to say good job son and he'll never ever get that. Right, but he's a bad guy. No, he's, he's killing people. Yes, he's so a how am I supposed to a slave to... driver and a you know a warlord and all these other I don't want to have conflicting feelings about whether or not I should feel sad for Calabac or not. Though. Yeah, that's why no, I'm that's like a, that's eh. a good point. I think that's fair. Like you do that with Batman. Like you can do that with Batman. Yeah, we want Batman, you know, why didn't you save us, son? Like, right. you know, that... right, if you compare that to like Two-Face who was a good man who was brought down by his own mental issues right. and, you know, dealings with the criminal because he spat in the face of the criminal underbelly and yeah. they fought back yeah that's that's a tragedy you know the tragedy of that character uh comparing you know comparing that to Boggles, who's just a bad guy who also happens to have daddy issues is not right doesn't necessarily yeah you don't necessarily and superman feel even tries to appeal to his i guess he's not human so but to instill humanity in him by talking about innocent people and he does it twice within a period of like 30 seconds and yes. he's like, he scoffs at it. There's no innocent people. Oh, is that more of your innocent people in that mm-hmm. train? Like, so I don't feel bad for you because you have a dad that hates you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to feel bad for you. I mean, I guess, I mean, you can look at that again as the tragedy of, well, he was supposed to be a, a new god, theoretically. And right. he, you know, it's, that's like he was indoctrinated as a child to be this way. But, right. Yeah. And, yeah, and the way of oh, uh, he has he had no choice. It was this, or he would have been killed. Like, Ooh. there's a way to do that, but you can't get into that in 22 minutes, right. especially when 98 percent of the episode is him and Superman punching each right. other. And you, maybe you could have spent less time with the two of them fighting each other and more working on that dynamic. But it's also a children's cartoon, right? <laughs> played on Saturday morning, so punch more. Yes. Uh, so that's. Yeah. I gave it four out of ten for, for animation and visuals. Yeah, I think I mentioned already, but I gave uh, five out of ten. It's again nothing super offensive, but there isn't a ton that stands out besides, as we mentioned, uh, sort of dark sides overall demeanor and uh, and some of the, the again the little tastes of apocalypse we get, but uh, certainly not the uh, the whole. It's not the whole platter yet, so to speak. Absolutely. All right, last uh, wrapping up this episode of Father's Day, we'll go to voice acting. Uh, Liam, it looks like... Um, so, let's hear your thoughts on, on this episode. We didn't have uh, too many new characters. We did have one, by the way. Shout out to a special guest that you pointed out. For, the guy from The Laughing Fish, who is who happened yes. to be the... The, the uh, maitre d' the, the at, at, at the, the Greek restaurant is at, like, 100% is the same character design as the... the uh, copyright clerk or whatever from the Laughing Fish episode that Joker harasses. Crazy. Um, and like, and I, it, like, I think it's supposed to be the same person. I don't know why they did that, but it was, it was, it was a funny little cameo. There was. Um. But voice acting, anyway, yes, back to the sorry. actual voice acting. Yeah, voice mind. acting, I liked for the most part in this episode. I gave 7 out of 10 here. Um, obviously Michael Ironside, as dark side, as you mentioned in, in the first episode, is fantastic. He has such a, a such a way of, of communicating. It's not the over-the-top villainy that you get with... Super subtle. Right. Comparing him to, say, Malcolm McDowell as Metallo, yep. who is prone to monologuing and puns and... Very, like you said, Shakespearean yes. state, like, very Broadway. And I will say, I think why that works is when you have performances by uh, Robert Morse as Desaad or, uh, or Michael Dorn as Calabac, who are a bit more over the top and who are very theatrical... 
having that base and that anchor of uh, Ironside as the sort of stoic, this is just how it's going to be because I have willed it this way. I think that's, I think that works. And so they that sort of style of performance complements each other. And I also thought I also thought uh, Tim Daly did a uh, above average job here for for his uh, for his Superman. Especially, I thought I was really struck at the end when when uh, Darkseid vaporizes or teleports Calabac away. Uh, Superman's concerned about this guy who just almost killed his dad. Um, right. There's a lot where I thought that was a really nice little Superman moment, and and Superman being very matter of fact, and and he's he's getting a little angry, and he's demanding Darkseid answer him, which is when you know Darkseid hits him with the Omega beams and says, "That is who I am," right? Which is uh, which is pretty, which is a pretty great line. Yeah, it was, it, and it's delivered well. the The whole character of Darkseid itself, and it doesn't obviously fit necessarily into voice acting, but I, I guess in a way it does. It, Michael Ironside, he's because he's so subtle. The character itself, we talked about the way that he stands. He's not hes not in fight mode. He's sitting like he's relaxed. He's confident in his power. Mm-hmm. He's confident knowing that he doesn't have to break a sweat almost. You see, you mentioned you see a little bit of a grimace when he when Superman begins to fight back against the Omega Beams yeah. uh, in that final scene. Uh, but he's... He, a little grimace. He doesn't even change his stance. He gives a little, little bit of a facial, facial mm-hmm. reaction, uh, and just intensifies the omega beams a little bit, and doesn't break a sweat. And then just turns. Doesn't even bother looking back at Superman at that point. Mm-hmm. Knows that there's no way he's flying after him. So that confidence that he has definitely is communicated through through Ironside's uh, portrayal of Darkseid. Yeah, and that struck when you get into later episodes, and uh, certainly in uh, Twilight and Justice League, where they really have a big knockdown drag out fist fight mm-hmm. you can that that's so you know the offset of dark side's not really a guy who's gotten his hands dirty in the last thousand years or whatever right. but this guy this kryptonian shows up and now he's not necessarily the baddest dude on the block anymore so right. i think that the dynamic between superman and dark side as your you know your your p- pillars for good and evil here in this universe are are really strong there, and a lot of that is, uh, as you mentioned, not just voice acting. A lot of that is the visual interpretation of him. But I think Michael Ironside, of course, as 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 Darkseid, is really a huge part of that. Absolutely, um, yeah. So my my score for uh, voice acting was six out of ten for that. Um, you know, Calabac I thought was Calabac and Decider fine. A um, little cartoony, but I think Michael Ironside really steals the show here, and I, I think you're right. I think Tim Daly's really came, came into his own at this point. Uh, this is technically second season, but he he's found his footing. Uh, Kent's the Kent's are a little distracting, but we could talk yeah. about that all day. Yeah, that's like I said, again, it's it's similar to the to uh, the Perry White uh, that I mentioned earlier. That uh, not I don't, don't want to throw George Dunn's under the bus too much because <laughs> he's great as Scarface later on in Batman, but. Uh, <laughs> But as uh, as Perry White, basically every line he delivers is the same sort of shout, monotone shouting, right? Uh, and that's kind of the way Pa Kent delivers all his lines is, is pretty similar. Whether he's about to confront an alien madman or he's just chatting about computers, he's kind of delivers everything the same way. Agreed. So my final score is a. Uh, 22 out of 40 gave voice acting 7 out of 10 if I didn't mention that and one last little DC uh, trivia note uh, Michael Dorn who plays Calabac also was the voice of Prometheus 
before he was unmasked in Arrow. Ah, so uh, there we little, go. I like I like throwing in little uh, crossing little, over little, here little trivia notes yeah. to the Arrowverse. I don't know. I guess I, we don't. Really, there's not really a lot of animated Arrowverse projects. There's like that like ten minute Vixen shorts they did, and they're doing a Constantine show too. Right? That's true. And they did the Ray stuff spinning out of the. Uh, the Earth X crossover. So maybe maybe one day we'll do a, an Elseworlds on the Arrowverse. There but, we go. But there's where there are. Uh, we're doing we're doing Dark Side and Wonder Woman's uh, wedding first though. So absolutely, put, that doesn't jump the line. I was gonna say Elseworlds. Yes, Elseworlds will be super, will be Dark Side. <laughs> super Friends Dark Side for sure. Sounds good. All right, my final score for this episode of Father's Day was 19 out of 40. So definitely uh, our lowest scores. Thus far for these two episodes for Superman, uh, they're not terrible episodes. They're good appetizers, if you will, uh, for the upcoming Apocalypse episodes uh, that we're hopefully will be covering in the next couple weeks. Yeah, and that's sometimes the pluses of these only being 22 minutes is if sometimes there are whole movies done now in yeah. super whole superhero movies done yeah. as prologues for other movies. <laughs> uh, so the idea that at least this was, this, you know, 22 minutes. And so that little teases at the end are enough to kind of keep you excited and you don't feel like, Oh, I just invested two hours in what was a commercial for the next movie. And now I have to wait a year and a half right. for that. Like these are already out. Right. So yeah, there's, that's the strength of the, of the 22 Agreed. minute time frame. I think that's a good point. That's a very good good point all right uh so with that we're gonna wrap this episode up thank you guys for listening to episode 13 road to apocalypse uh if you have any feedback at all give us your thoughts on these two episodes we'd love to hear your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on michael ironside's uh, portrayal of dark side how do you guys feel about these episodes do you feel like they're introducing these characters in a way that is interesting do you feel like they should have done it differently uh give us some feedback shoot us some uh shoot liam some some feedback over at, at DCAU Review on Twitter. Uh, if you're on the Facebook we'd, uh, and you prefer to communicate that way, you can send us a message on there. We're at DCAU Review. Uh, you can fo- find us uh, on there. You can also comment on the Facebook page as well. Uh, also, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a five-star feedback on iTunes, if you will. It helps our podcast rankings go up. Helps helps us out extremely. Uh, we appreciate those that have already done so and continue to do so. Uh, if you like us, also tell your friends about us because uh, we'd love – if they're nerds, let them know that we're nerds too and it's all good. We don't judge. Uh, Liam, anything to add? Yeah, just uh, we – as we're recording this, so we're, we're finding out more about the DC streaming service coming out soon. Oh, yes. We already know Static Shock's going to be on there, which will be helpful for us as we, again, look into some of these DCAU crossovers and, Absolutely. and certain things like that. So we've got uh, some – it's an exciting time to be a fan of DCAU – we hear rumors about reboots or reunions of Justice League or Batman, so it's an exciting time. Love tweeting with people about it. Love uh, love any discussion we can have about this stuff. Uh, got some got some nice uh, feedback and tweets uh, about our first Superman episode, and uh, really enjoy interacting with everybody there. So, uh, with that said, I'm Cal and I'm Liam, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Bye bye.